0: been my mantra of the day, it's, it's time for do tanks not think tanks. Welcome to
1: the 29th INSTEC London podcast. This is Matthew Grant, and I'm one of the partners at INSTEC London, and we're rapidly becoming one of the most active and engaged innovation networks in insurance. Uh, For this episode, I'm joined by my two other partners, Robin Mertens and Paolo Nkumo, and we review some of the themes and companies we've come across recently. Uh, Particularly in this episode, we're also discussing the recent Insider Tech Conference in London. Here we are, the Interstet London partners. We've actually now managed to bring all three of us together in one place, which is something of a record. Uh, no surprising, though, that we are in a place that serves liquid refreshments, so you may hear a bit of uh, bit of activity in the background. Uh, but in true Lloyd style, we are drinking tea, and we haven't yet broken open a bottle of wine. Uh, we're here just on the back of the Insider Tech event in London, run, run by Insurance Insider. Uh, Robin Mertens actually gave a keynote after lunch, and uh, we're going to hear a bit about that in a minute, but Paolo, just turning to you first of all, uh, what sort of themes came out for you that you felt were saying something different about innovation and and InsurTech?
2: What I actually found interesting in some ways was was that people were saying many of the things we've heard for the the last few years, since the third year of InsiderTech I believe, and in in some ways what people are talking about hasn't changed. What what is very positive though I think is the, the ability to articulate what they're doing and what they mean has improved if we look at the startups now for example we had flock talking briefly you know these are these are ideas and they're no longer just good ideas but people are actually doing things that they're making money they're helping their um their end insurance whilst a few years back you know everyone was getting excited about the good ideas but things hadn't actually been done and i think um you know robin talked a lot in his speech about how people need to stop thinking and start doing and i think what we've seen this year is that um the, the insure tech startups and the, the incumbents and the tech providers are all actually re- really doing stuff on the innovation side rather than just talking about
1: it. Yeah, Robin had his uh, do tank rather than his think tank. Uh, one thing that's interesting, when Sabine van Linden was talking, she gave a stat of about 95% tech companies fail. I think that's rather unfair for... Insurance. I think your point about people actually doing things. I think a lot of the companies that maybe don't stay in the market for long, but they actually do succeed by getting acquired by and becoming part of the innovation team into the insurance. So I think it's not just you know, doing things, but actually they're now being embedded more deeply uh, into the um, into the marketplace itself. But Robin, for your uh, presentation, just picking up on some of the themes you had, because good to hear a bit about those. We're going to uh, transition to that after this discussion. But just hear about some things you mentioned, and in particular. What did you hear today that kind of resonated with what you were pitching to the audience?
0: Well, my heart leapt when I asked how many people in the room had been to Intersect London events, and it was well over half, so um, we must be doing something right. Uh, I also was gratified to see how many, uh, uh, you know, the age profile, uh, to a point I've been making for some time. We need to be supporting. Uh, the under 35s, they get this, uh, and there are a lot of people there who are uh, nodding sagely when I suggested that they represent the future and it's their tech that we that we need to be building. Um, look, I, I, I've I've been consistent for many years now on on the need to kind of um, let let the move the analogs gently over to see out the rest of their career and enable this generation of technology to be built. Um, I, I'm I'm just thrilled to see the whole Lloyd's Prospectus chimed completely with what I would do. Uh, I think we need to learn the lessons of the past. Um, you know, we haven't had a good record at these things, so picking up on some of the lessons and then and then you know getting behind the leadership. I mean, that's something that sh- hasn't happened. We we have to be honest with ourselves. We have tried this before. Uh, you know, for 20 years we we, we are, we're nearly on the last chance. I think. So what, just getting behind the leadership, what do you actually mean by that? Well, I, I you know, John John Neer has come in, he's articulated a vision. Um, he's not the first to do that, but he's from the industry. Uh, he's surrounded himself with some good people. Um, you know, he, he if you ask around, he has credibility. Uh, you know, he has support at levels which we haven't seen in previous initiatives. Um, uh, and, uh, and now he has to do the difficult bit, uh, you know, it's been my mantra of the day, it's, it's time for do tanks, not think tanks. Uh, this is do time.
1: Yeah. And so, Paolo, just with your involvement with the, uh, the Lloyds Lab and, and what's going on there, I mean, how, how consistent do you th- you see what is, is both coming into, meaning people applying to the Lloyds Lab and coming out of it? How consistent is that with the, you know, the pretty aggressive ambitions of Lloyds to take 20% of the costs out of the industry in the next few years?
2: Yeah, so I, I've been very pleased with how, how Lloyd's Lab has been taken up in, in all ways, the volume of, of applicants from startups in, in the UK but also from abroad, and then you know, how Lloyd's has chosen them. It was a, a, an idea that started 18 months ago, but you know, it f- seems to fit perfectly with where the, the prospectus is defining um, the future. I think that this combination of we need to find ideas to, to manage the cost space, but at the same time we need to look for innovation. The, the startups that are coming into the lab and in fact many of those who applied but didn't make it through but are still interested in trying to make an impact in the, the Lloyd's market. They're all absolutely focused and aligned with what we need to do as a market and it's an opportunity for the, the incumbents as we tend to call them to to look to those startups yeah. as opportunities to to, you know, to work smarter, to work better. They shouldn't look at them as you know risk or competition they should look at them as ways of effectively almost in, to sort of outsourcing their innovation sometimes so the the lab is an incredibly important part of how the market's going to evolve
1: yeah and, and a message to all of you out there who may have applied to the Lloyd's lab and not got through the first round um, we in instead london are very happy to bring people in at the early stages of an idea and put you up on stage and you know give it a go use, use a shout out to talk about what you're doing come and join us as members um, but we're a very inclusive organisation. At early stage, we get a bit pickier once people start raising, raising money. Uh, Robin, I can see you've got a, you've got a burning issue you want to bring no,
0: up. No, not at all. I, I'm I'm sort of making the observation that you set your alarm and I didn't. Uh, so you were in at the start, uh, whereas I turned up for coffee. Uh, you you have a better overview of the entire event. What were the really big themes as far as you're concerned?
1: Yeah, so a few. So I, I was there for, uh, for James Slaughter, who's the chief Un- chief underwriting officer from Liberty on the commercial side. And I think a couple of interesting things. One, he showed a Liberty video, which is the underwriter of the future. And it's kind of easy just to look at those things and go, "Well, that's a bit a bit naff." But I think what's helpful about it is it gives a vision of how technology might evolve, and you can then start to look at that and go, "Well, what have we got that does that today? What do we not? What do we not got?" And Robin, it fits in quite well with the question you were asked, and I think cleverly uh, d- uh, diverted into a consulting project about you know, which insure tech or technology companies out there would you n- knit together and create a full stack insurer. And you know, the reality is we're pretty close to being able to do that. Maybe we can even do it if there are enough organizations, with APIs, and someone to build the, the plumbing in between of them. But I think partly the problem people have or have had is this lack of vision for what the future looks like. And without a clear vision, yeah, the temptation is to give up if it gets too difficult. But once you can see where the future goes, then you can align behind that and, and take some bets. And not all of them are going to pay off, but at least you've, you've got some clarity about what the uh, what the goalposts look like.
2: Yes, and the you know, the, uh, the question about the future, sort of this idea of a bionic underwriter rather than just replacing the underwriter, is a, is an important one. I think the the AI panel got at this this well, which is that yeah, AI is a tool to allow people to do things smarter, to identify the opportunities of new products, to price more intelligently, to differentiate how they um, analyse data. And yeah, the more we can realise that we are not trying to completely disrupt insurance and do it in a fundamentally different way in the short term, but we're just trying to do it smarter, we're trying to do it cheaper, we're trying to do it more customer centric. Then I think, yeah, hopefully we can engage everyone you know i'm i'm of a slightly different opinion that i almost don't want to to just let those sort of analog leaders uh, sort of just just drift away over the next few years i really would want them to be bold and i think i i keep going back to um a great quote that catherine she of um of insider made in an article recently she said a society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they will never sit in and you know i would really love it that in a few years time we're not saying oh we managed to push uh, a lot of this digital change despite the current leaders but actually they got behind it and you know their swan song was making sure that the ideas that Lloyds is coming up with over the coming months actually happen and happen quickly. Embrace the InsureTechs, embrace the under 35s.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're listening to Robin's presentation because the big theme of that was you know don't don't screw up the future. We've, we've managed to screw up so many things for the next generation that at least let's try and leave them with a uh, an insurance market that has got some some potential. And you can hear more more details from that. Um, and Robin, just a, a question for you. I don't know if you caught uh, Laurent Russo, deputy CEO of Score presentation, but he was talking about his real enthusiasm for sensors and IoT and how that's going to make the whole process easier. And he had a really interesting uh, sort of way of thinking about insurance. He said insurers have got to get more sophisticated in the, in the ability to analyze data and actually you require sophistication to make better decisions more quickly using sensors and, and IoT. But from the front end, um, you, you've got to make it simpler for for the users. you you spent a fair bit of time trying to get insurers interested in, in IoT and sensors as various companies. I mean, where, where do you think the market really is in terms of seeing the the benefits that are going to come through from greater deployment of sensors uh,
0: my um history as an innovator suggests that um i know i'm able to spot good things but i can't get my timing right uh, and uh, i reckon um uh, the same applies to iot and sensors uh, i'm uh, i'm you know a 12 to 18 months into trying to persuade the industry to uh, adopt more IoT. I'm appalled by the lack of uh, take-up. I absolutely believe in it as the key to future risk monitoring, risk management, and ultimately into uh, dynamic underwriting. You you can just um, feel it's starting to turn. Uh, what's stopped it to date has been the perceived costs of adoption, and very much like telematics and motor, the idea that the costs of implementing it. Uh, make it uneconomic in terms of the amount of premium. I saw a beautiful business yesterday which you know I've spoken about before called Shepard. They're going to move their commercial property IoT onto a subscription model. So the cost of implementing it disappears and it gets amortized over three years and you just pay a per month cost for the analytics of the devices uh, with the Question being, can one make the business case for adopting that cost in in lower premium um, for the risks in, in in question? And I think that moves the dial a little bit. I got excited about that. Good. Well,
1: when gets excited, watch out. So, Paolo, just kind of picking up on that theme a little bit. That kind of move to dynamic underwriting. That's one way this could this could move. But another way that nothing could happen is actually the corporates themselves could realise that as they've got access to better information, they actually need less external insurance capacity and start to actually build up their own captives and, and retain it in-house. Is that something you're starting to see with the companies you're talking to or some of the trends in the market?
2: Yes, there's certainly a feeling of companies, you know, they're asking themselves, are they getting the right value for the risk transfer they're doing? And yet you know, this has always been a question, frankly, you know, we've seen changing models of insurance So over the years. The, the question, especially around IoT, is that where this drives a significant reduction in incidents because you're able to preventively resolve a problem with a ship engine rather than it conking out at sea or where you're able to you know catch the fire before it comes a problem you're able to spot that a pipe's going to leak before it leaks this you know this fundamentally reduces the volume of claims which in turn you know reduces the volume of required premiums so you know there is a question both as to whether the models will change and more risk will be retained with only the sort of more extreme and catastrophic risks pushed out into the traditional insurance market Um, but also overall you know in an ideal world the total volume of claims that's the total volume of premium will go down and that's something that that needs to be grappled with you know sort of intellectually people are already starting to think about it in, in the the motor market you know ultimately with driverless cars there'll be a completely different model. Which will change the um, you know the need for personal motor premium, and also in smart homes. You know, if if we stop having um, escape of water taking up fifty percent of the the claims, you know what does that mean for a typical home insurer where they're getting their premiums from? So I think yeah, it's one of those perverse things that's what's ultimately good for the consumer and good for the end insured could actually be negative for the market.
1: So one of the questions for the panel was around the role of brokers in particular you know, what is the the role for Lloyd's only accepting business that comes through a Lloyd's broker Yeah, you know, Robin what's your perspective on this is that is that a critical part of the value that Lloyd's has is it only deals with accredited brokers or do you think it needs to actually start going direct to the end consumer or allowing other third parties to place business directly into the market?
0: Look I think the future of Lloyd's respect is spot on it's the first time that I've seen somebody articulating the idea that Lloyd's needs a simple risk exchange and a complicated risk exchange. Uh, I think that in terms of complicated risks, the role of the broker never fully disappears. Uh, they are risk advisors to the to the customer. Um, they provide advice on the nature of the uh, insurance required and where to find it and, and uh, you know, I would have thought that becomes less... Uh, premium orientated and more time and value orientated. Uh, But the broker's safe in that territory. In in relation to simple risks, you know, we we can see what's happening in personal lines moving up into the SME space and, you know, a lot of that delegated underwriting business comes in the end, becomes the customer or the customer's retail broker filling in forms, getting auto pricing and, and binding on the spot. Uh, and the chains of intermediaries that are involved in that just must shrink, and it's a issue that Lloyd's needs to grapple with. It knows it needs to grapple with, you know, cost of acquisition running at 40, 45% on that kind of business. Uh, you know, I think that's the answer, and 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 the phony war about the distribution channel, you know, needs to be be addressed. I mean, everybody knows this is coming, and we kind of need to get on and tackle that now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not just a technology, or maybe it's not even a technology problem, first and foremost. Pali, just switching gears a little bit, uh, it was, it's always good to see uh, the corporate members from INSTAT London up on stage at these events, and Robert Lumley from InsureTech Gateway there was talking about uh, what they look for investments. But in particular, he had quite, a, I think, a helpful way of thinking about how companies invest and in the, in the, the difference. Uh, I think you were there for that session could say a few words about the sort of different types of investment that people are looking at
2: Ab- absolutely and it's it's good to see the increasing sophistication of the investors I think you know that's healthy for the startups it's it's healthy for the ecosystem overall and I think you know Robert laid out very nicely that you, you can look for financial return from your investment you know it is a, an in, an investment you know what it does how it does it is is not the issue it's the return it gets that's one way of looking at it you can look at whether you know as a business it's it's going to make money that there's an underwriting return in there and you know it is a, an interesting sort of underwriting business and then the third is investments where you're you know, you're looking to learn you know it, there may be IP that, that they're developing that you can then think more broadly how it could be applied. It can help you understand where the future of the market's going and then sort of identifying other investments earlier on. So I think starting to take that broad approach is yeah, absolutely invaluable for the, the more sophisticated investors, but also helpful for the, um, the startups that require this investment to, to have partners who are really helping them think more intelligently rather than just simply giving them some funds. So. I, particularly enjoyed the AI panel I think we got into a good discussion we, we avoided some of the nonsense a few years ago where people wasted time explaining the difference between sort of AI and machine learning and stuff and we said look you know frankly that's that's not the issue the issue is how do we benefit and and Matthew it'd be great uh, there's a an Instate London AI event coming up shortly maybe you can talk through briefly the aims of that and who will be speaking
1: yeah it's going to be another uh, excellent event we're already close to full capacity for people on that so we're talking about AI but in specifically we're talking about algorithms and you know, I think one of the things that came out from the panel today there's still a bit of confusion about what ai actually is so we're actually narrowing it down to the algorithms that companies are using to make decisions around and talking to people that have embedded algorithms and if you don't know what an algorithm is it's essentially it's a formula that you put data in and you get a decision point out and that's increasingly becoming automated but to what extent are companies actually able to build algorithms that insurers can rely on so traditionally they might have just been used for a referral to an underwriter. But increasingly uh, and as you move more to parametric type risks they're actually being used to to make decisions that don't have a human intervention in it so we're exploring you know some of the companies that have been doing this for a while um like Saitora, you know, some companies that are uh, coming in from a totally different area chai with uh, commodity fluctuation and pricing but have got some access to some really good data and are coming in bringing a new product into the market where people might be prepared to take a little bit more risk because it's a new opportunity. Uh, anyway, so the point of the event is gonna to be to really try to get to the specifics, move a little bit beyond the generic, what is what is AI? Uh, but the details are on the website for anybody that hasn't seen that. If you miss it, then of course, we'll be podcasting it again, but please do come along and join us for that. If you miss that one, we'll, we'll have another event coming up in July. Uh, that almost wraps it up. I just wanna pass it back to
0: one of you to give some, uh, some final thoughts. Uh, Look, I like spending um, days with the industry. We we tend to spend most of our time with the uh, innovators themselves. Um, uh, My my takeaway today was there's nothing much right now that the industry wants from innovation that isn't already there. It seems to me the winners and the losers are being determined. And if you want to see how much money people are raising, that genuinely kind of selects the winners. Uh, and I, you know, this is the week really when we've been um, reflecting on the Lloyd's future of Lloyd's prospectus. Um, my plea to them would be, you know, don't leave out uh, insurtech uh, nearly everything that you need, maybe even everything you need other than in relation to uh, capital, is already built in various forms and the community has a whole a huge role to play in the future of Lloyd's if you let it.
1: Thanks to Insurance Society, to Mark Geegan and his team there for putting on uh, you know, a really s- stimulating event. I had about 10 pages of notes from the comments and data on there. Thank you. So that wraps it up for uh, this episode. And for those of you that have only recently come across the Instate London podcast, you may be interested to know that we are now releasing these weekly and our podcasts are now following three themes so first of all we are doing edited highlights from our events so you can hear us talking to our our guests Uh, secondly we're doing some longer form interviews with some leading industry figures and then thirdly we are doing a sort of monthly catch-up with a couple of the partners from Instate London on some of the major themes and companies that we're coming across a bit like what you've just heard just now. Uh, if you want to know a little bit more about what we're thinking and also learn about what events you've coming up, uh, you can either follow us on London or I do recommend you sign up for our newsletter as that is the fastest way to find out what events are coming up and you can also get a perspective on what we're hearing going on in the industry and some of the other events that are going on.